Hi, uh, welcome to season nine. This is our first episode of a new topic. And um, we were thinking about uh, things that we've heard in classrooms before. Um, I was in Europe one time and somebody in the back said, um, this idea of you know marketing being art and science is really cool, but what does it really mean? And you know, it, it's one of those great elephant in the room questions. And so we thought we would take that on and look at the elements that that do make you know the art and the science of marketing come alive or not. Um, can I with- say, Mary, before you carry on, you've just made me feel nostalgic by mentioning the word classroom. <laughs> it's been a while since we've been hitting the bricks. It's why everything's online now. But yeah, classroom. Yeah. I remember that. I remember that. You know, it was the good old days, or at least uh, some of the good old days, right? Right. Um, and that's Sean Wellen with us across the Hello. pond. And of course, we have Tom Spitali and I'm Mary Abazia. We're with Impact Planning Group. We're always trying to figure things out. So, um, Sean, why don't you uh, take the first stab at art and science? And what does that what does that mean, especially nowadays? Yeah, there's lots of way. You know, I've had lots of discussions around this, and I guess one interpretation, and, and this won't be the definitive. This is, I guess, a starter to get us talking. But somebody once said that that you know, art is subjective, and and science is is objective, which is a pretty good starting point. It's like if you're interpreting something or you're trying to um, create something that isn't necessarily measurable then that's the the art side of it and of course a lot of people outside of our discipline think marketing is really an artistic sort of creative discipline and that's definitely part of it but the science I guess comes in um, taking empirical data looking for evidence looking for cause and effect and trying to get some degree of Let's face it, there's no certainty in marketing. That's that's what makes it such an interesting and vibrant area. But you can narrow the odds, I guess. So science to me is 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 measurable, narrow the odds, maybe more objective. Subjective is is more opinion based. I, I guess uh you know, I'll throw that out as a high level starter, but there's probably more to dig into, I would guess. Mm-hmm. I believe that obviously marketing is both art and science, but I think it's dangerous to move too far in one direction. And and I think there are people that happen to think that it's all art or mostly art. Um, There's a growing number of people that think there's more science to it. But I think the reason it's dangerous to think it's too far in, in either direction is, is as follows. I think our process and our tools do bring a lot of science to marketing. I mean, our positioning is that we help people that maybe aren't historically um, or classically trained in marketing to become better marketers quick. And it happens because uh, the tools that we have are science, if you will, in that it, it brings a recipe to certain parts of marketing that allow people to pretty quickly do some of the things that they would associate with experienced marketers. However, we also know that um, there's an art and, and Sean, you said it well, I think the art comes into play in that the tools that we bring allow people to kind of narrow the universe of possibilities in, in terms of creating a hypothesis around markets, customers, competitors, their own capabilities. 
I think the art comes into once you've narrowed it down, you still have options of which direction you should go, which positioning will resonate. And again, you could test these things scientifically, but I think that's where the art comes in. You start to get a sense as you become a little bit more of a, of a, a marketing practitioner, which path you can take um, might be a more promising path. And that's where the, the, the art comes in. I like what you said there, Tommy. It's almost like you could look at it then with the art being the creative part. What if we have this value proposition? What if we target these customers? You may have some rationale behind it, which is the structure. I guess you could argue a bit of science, but I think that's more structure because there's no evidence yet. It's, it's, it's either a, a hypothesis, if you like, which I guess is a scientific term, and maybe the science comes in the validation, you know, because whatever we do in marketing, it has one principal aim, and that's to increase our revenue, increase our margins, which, whichever metric you want to choose. But it's about business growth, and that can be measured. Of course, you can't be 100% certain of the correlation between cause and effect, but we'll allow ourselves some wiggle room there and say, if we launch this campaign or we develop this product or we position ourselves in this way to this market... You can measure the effect. And even though I guess a strict scientist would say you, you can't be 100% sure, we can be certain enough for us that, that we've had the desired effect. So maybe the cause is more artistic to some extent. And maybe the effect is the, the post-event is how we measure. That's another way to look at it. Is in the, yeah, I, the I think it's like an Oreo. I think you have to start with science and use, you know, the heart, you know, the, the, their approaches to gather insights. You get the creamy middle where it's all of the fun art. And what are we going to do with this evidence that we have? And how are we going to shape it different than anyone else? Um, and that's where you get the real creative types involved. But then Sean, I think you're right. You have to measure everything. And, you know, and so the science of, even there's a science to launching products. There's an art to it too, but there's a lot of science. There's a lot of, you know, established processes, especially if you're in medical devices or pharma, there is a science to how you can launch something. So I'm calling it the Oreo effect. I, <laughs> I like it. Yours is better. Mary, I was like, I, I was thinking the same thing. Science, more, um, science, art, science, you know, uh, the, the way that you guys are de describing it is, you know, uh, when you have some tools, uh, th that's kind of the, the science part to kind of quickly get you to some hypotheses and the, the, the art is the middle of the Oreo, right? And, 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 and saying if, you, if, if the tools allow you to generate, say, a couple of hypotheses, you narrow those down. And then the science comes back in again with you. You're testing those hypotheses, which today, I, I think with uh, the analytical tools that are available. Uh, uh, there's there's more science on the other side of the Oreo than ever, ever before. So it's great. I, I the the marketing um, as art thing is um, is dangerous though because when you think that marketing is all art, then you limit yourself as a business to a couple of things. First of all you limit yourself to only experienced people doing the marketing in your industry, right? You think that that's what, it's the only avenue that I have is to put people who are experienced marketers and know this industry in that position. Now that's helpful in some ways, but that limits 
you know, the, the, the thinking and the ability to kind of connect dots outside of the industry and things that are, that are working elsewhere. Also marketing as art really leaves the rest of the organization with an inability to really manage and um, evaluate the marketing function, you know, because if you say it's all art and I, you know, I'm, I'm not a marketer, so I don't really, you know, know anything about that stuff. Um, I'm, you know, you, you leave it to, to the people that you think are the artists and that, that leaves the, the, the whole management of the marketing function for those outside the executive team um, a, a little bit up in the air. Um, whereas the science you know, of, of, of marketing and knowing a little bit about the science of marketing can allow the rest of the organization to manage that function, ask the right questions um, and, and, and really make sure that you know, things are moving in the right direction. There's, there's a danger. I'll speak on the other side of that argument. There's a danger with science as well, because with science, you create a false sense of certainty and your output is only ever as good as your input. And if you happen to believe that your customers, for example, value this particular benefit or outcome, let's just make it simple. Say we think our customers really care about battery life. And on the basis of that, we've increased our battery life with some significant expenditure. And now we're going to market with a simple value proposition Buy our product. It has a longer battery life. And all the way through, you've used the science in both improving the product and you've tried to measure some sort of effect. And then you realize that people actually don't care. Or they don't care enough or they don't just care about that. And your your nuanced positioning needs to be more thought through and you start to rely on spreadsheets and you start to rely on numbers and what you consider to be solid evidence, when in reality, it's just an opinion on a spreadsheet. So following a two scientific without that sense of, of, of customer involvement, of um, gut feel, intuition, all these softer things also play a part. I mention it because I work with a, a, a bunch of engineers once and one of their criticisms, if you like, was how do we know? How do we know this? We're putting this stuff onto a chart here about the, what's the weighting of this decision criteria. How do we know? And of course, my point was we don't. We're making a best estimate for subsequent testing. But we could not get past because they would rather, in their engineering mindset, I'm, I'm not denigrating all engineers here. I'm talking about a very specific issue. But they would rather have spent their time quantifying and clarifying the inputs more research ton of research let's understand this before we move which is the ultimate scientific approach but would have left them standing in the in in, in the dirt of the other competitors who are running off ahead of them you've got to find that balance so i suppose they're both dangerous in isolation yeah it is finding that balance you're right sean that's that's tricky i do like um you had mentioned earlier hypothesis and i i i think no matter what, how you balance it, having a educated guest to begin with and using that as a scope for a team to work together to solve it, both with, you know, the big lever of art and science um, is critical. So, you know, having the hypothesis as a starting point for any team more like, you know, because our, the people we typically work with are more science based. And so, starting with that is, is key, just like they were taught in school. But how does a team of engineers bring in art? If they're really good at that technical part, how do they 
how do they bring in the art side of it? You know, I, I think I think engineers are very creative. It's that I've always thought of three three types. There's, there's scientists, there's engineers, and there's artists, if you like. There's not just three types. In my world of, of this simple example, scientists are always looking for the unknown, push back the boundaries of knowledge, to discover what we didn't know before, to find new ways of thinking. So a scientist is always working in the unknown, is pushing back boundaries. The engineers are solving problems with what we know today. They know which machines do what, which load bearing this can take and, and how much energy you can get out of this setup and all the rest of it. They've got their parameters. They work on a rule book, but they're always trying to solve the challenge. You think of in, uh, in motorsport, in Formula One, which is not that popular. Well, it's all around the world. I know it's not hugely popular in the US, but Formula One is the ultimate technical sport. Engineers with a given rule book and given knowledge try and squeeze the nth degree of performance out of each car. And I've worked with a couple of these teams and it's fascinating, I won't bore you all the details, but they will spend days trying to shave half a second off a certain time parameter. But they work within the known. So engineers are creative problems, so that's where the art comes from. You've got to present it as a problem to solve given these constraints. Artists, on the other hand, have no barriers or constraints and they're, they're just, they just want to express emotion ultimately and i think if you get that blend in a in a sort of team between a scientist artist and 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 engineers you've got the dream team but they all think slightly differently and it's all about the boundaries they create that's how i see engineers being artists they're created by nature yeah our approach to constructing teams to work on a marketing problem has always been inclusive right we we always are encouraging a cross-functional team. And I think we use the term cross-functional because that's something that's understood by the business to, to, to mean all the you know important functions uh, being involved. But I think, Sean, what you're describing typically uh, is, is hopefully satisfied if you are really inclusive in your team. So you have you know um, a, a number of different types of thinkers on the team. And, and that's um, and it's something that is so vital to the success of any plan. I know that in our future episodes this season, we're going to kind of break down um, different aspects of our methodology and our approach. And I think it'd be really good if we can just talk about what, you know, kind of the dream team looks like. Um, it might be slightly different for, for different aspects of what you're doing, or it might be the same. I don't even know where we'll go with that, but it'll be interesting as we kind of start talking about things like stakeholder maps, segmentation, competition ID, you know, um, ability to win in your, your, your scorecard, who, who should be involved in the discussion, um, when it makes sense to go from science to art and back to science again, you know, how thick is the, the, the cookie, Mary's Oreo cookie on the top and how thick is it on the bottom? Because I don't think that's gonna be um, consistent all the time. Sean, that was a, a great point that, you know, sometimes groups can get mired uh, in trying to be 100% right before they, you know, go to the next step. And, and, and certain times that, that'll, that'll stall progress. So we can talk about that, we can unpack that more in detail as we, we talk about different as aspects of building a marketing plan as we go through this season. 
I think we need to build a, uh, a glass of milk into this Oreo analogy somewhere. <laughs> I need to figure out what the milk is in this situation. I think it's the customer. I think you take and you dunk it in the milk, which is the customer, and see if it actually is going to hold hold up or not. There not you go. Because <laughs> it'll get clogged, you know, and it'll fall all apart. So, you know, there's the appropriate amount of dunking, and yeah. that might be different for different situations. So we'll talk about how long to dunk the cookie in the milk. There you go. That, that's the title for the podcast series, Sorted. How long do you dunk your cookie in the milk for? Mm-hmm. Uh, we hope that you're as intrigued by this topic as we are, art and science. We would love to hear from you if you have ideas um, on either or both sides of this. Uh, and uh, we look forward to seeing you next time. We have all of our seasons, of course, uh, where you can get any of your podcasts on our Accidental Marketer website, YouTube, um, pretty much anywhere. So thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks.